0: Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven. That was my amazingly beautiful wife, Liberty.
0: We are a married couple with very different interests, so we'll try to bring the other person to our side via the latest news in books and sports. And today, it's a sports episode.
1: We're trying to claim victory today, ladies and gentlemen. And we may gain some ground.
0: Never. In this week's world of sports, yet again, another police officer has shot a black man. So the different leagues all decided to do some sort of strike.
1: Yeah, strike, boycott, words have kind of been thrown around in every direction by different writers everywhere, but yeah. Well,
0: a strike is when you work and stop working, and a boycott is when you stop spending money. So it's a strike.
1: Yeah, so the every league's kind of had their own interpretation to it. The NHL had their own version of it, which, um, sadly, they caught on a little bit late, so they had games the first day most teams were striking, so...
0: What happened was, first, the NBA took off three days, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and from there, it caught on to the other leagues. The WNBA did the same length of time off for the week. The MLB took off Wednesday, part of the day, and then all of the day Thursday. The NHL took off Thursday and Friday, and then the MLS canceled one game on the 26th.
1: So with the MLB, I'm going to correct you a little bit. They, okay. they didn't take any full days off. However, it is something that we I plan on covering when we get into the MLB news side of things because okay. there's a good chunk of it. Some teams did play, but they utilized the money to like donate to charities and things like that that help communities of well African-American communities, yeah. to be more specific. But again, we'll go into that a little bit further on, down the line.
0: And... I'm just sort of frustrated. I can't imagine what the black communities are feeling, but like just me being a person in the US, I'm sick of it. And so I can't imagine the kind of like boiling frustration they're feeling. Right. And as the NBA is. I want to say it's the sports league that has the most African-American players.
1: Percentage-wise, definitely.
0: So I feel like they very quickly took the idea of a strike and
1: ran with it right and it's understandable like they also honestly in the United States have one of the largest platforms like obviously more attention is brought by NBA players than it would be from NHL players in the United States for obvious reasons so it was very honorable of them to kind of be the leaders in that decision to do these things albeit like After the shooting happened, this was days later that they decided to go on strike. So, like, they weren't immediate responses, clearly. And I've heard a lot of arguments that the guys in the bubbles are kind of, like, left out from certain things. But, like, major news still clearly would make it to them, obviously, through, like, social media and things like that. So that's a pretty poor excuse.
0: Just the fact that they did it at all is a good thing. So how long it takes them to respond is kind of a stupid thing to be arguing about, in my opinion. Yeah. And on top of that, you've got to consider the fact that they're having to worry about their careers. They're like, this is their job and they're just not going to do it for several days. And they've had to discuss things with ownership and try to work things out in order to strike and then in order to return to play. So
1: yeah, we definitely had some coming together in the NBA related to that. There were a lot of owners conveniently in the NBA now are slowly becoming more and more retired players is a lot of the ownership teams for a lot of the organizations now so you had players like michael jordan uh, larry bird who were both big like yes we we do need to change things the way the nba handles these hot topics and we completely agree with you but at the same time we also need to go back to playing basketball because that is another realm of area where you guys can speak out about these things and just not doing anything isn't bringing presence because you're not televising any games so you know I can kind of see the weight on both ends of it.
0: Well I could see how a strike would work especially in the time of corona Mm. when you can't actually go to sports and you have to just watch what's being played televised because what else are people going to do with their time if they're actually following protocols to stay quarantined. Right. So losing out on the ability to watch your favorite sport is kind of a big deal right now more so than if corona wasn't happening
1: right definitely
0: but let's move on to the individual leagues and discuss what's happening there
1: where do you want to start
0: as always with the NHL cuz it's the only sport i care about
1: yeah one day i feel like you're going to mix that in a little bit further just so that you can have like uh, an attention span through some of the other things beyond just like i pay
0: attention <laughs> i pay attention So, for the NHL, teams before their games on Saturday were holding moments of solidarity, and it seemed like they would have, like, a video or a statement that they made before the national anthems were played, and while I think that is good of them to do, it's kind of like what they did before all the playoffs started. It makes an impact in a moment, but you don't see anything coming out of it, really, so... I worry that that's going to be another one of those things that happens.
1: Well, the the big move, I think, for the NHL was obviously the NHL is probably percentage-wise with African-American athletes, one of the lowest, if yes. not the lowest. Yeah, yeah. And so what you saw a lot of, at least in the NHL, was that it was mostly a lot of the white athletes that were standing up for their brothers in in arms or like brothers in the fight of playing hockey of the African-American people. So you saw a lot of them coming out and speaking out against what's going on in the United States right now. And a lot of them took the forefront in action as well alongside the African-American players in the NHL to boycott or basically strike during those two days worth of games, they were also leading the charge with them, which I think is a, a good thing, like show wise, for you know the rest of the communities in the United States to just see that look, like we can work together on this and it not be a bad thing. Like, yeah. there's no reason to you know make it just the athletes of the African American race leading the charge, like, there should be everybody leading the charge in this yeah. subject. I would say that's one thing that the NHL did well. In, in that instance like you saw a lot of team leadership basically going there's wrongs in the world right now and this needs to be fixed like brad marchand put together uh, a long statement which honestly his
0: pr team probably put that his together our team
1: did not put that together stop it because you hate brad marchand doesn't mean that you should make that opinion. he doesn't
0: have two brain cells to rub together so i don't know how he could even play hockey let alone come out with Ignore a decent my statement my wife's
1: bias for and hatred of Brad Martian, but... He you, licks players. I get it. Get over it. When it comes to the statement that he made, it was a very powerful statement. To it be was a very good statement. A yes. white athlete. Like, it was an amazing statement to have made. So, and it's not just him that came out with them. There are multiple athletes throughout the NHL that were dropping statements like that. Obviously, maybe not as long-winded as Brad Martian's. Right. But at the same time, it really showed that the organization was coming together. So much so that, like, Matt Dumba... Uh, Matt Dumbo had basically came out and stated he was so glad to see his non-African-American teammates coming out and stating that these wrongs need to be fixed now, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. These things need to be discussed right now. And I think that was a very powerful moment just seeing that the alliance that has been built within the NHL is only getting stronger through these instances and nobody's backing down. It's exciting. To see those
0: things. And on the, I guess, less political side of the NHL news, Chad Ruedel was signed for a one-year $750,000 contract extension with the Penguins through 21-22 season. The 30-year-old defenseman could have become a UFA after next season, so... We're glad to have picked him up. And our GM basically said he's always ready to go. He's always physically prepared, mentally prepared, and that's part of the reason they wanted to continue to have him on our roster.
1: I could completely agree with that statement. Ruedel's been one of the harder working players for your organization over the last few years, for sure. Also, um, when it comes to the signings this week, Robbie Fabry signed a two-year contract extension estimated at an annual average value of $2.95 million with the Detroit Red Wings. So he was good for one more year after this season, but they extended out another two years and are going to give him a little bit of a pay raise as well.
0: I'm surprised anyone is getting a raise for that team right now, given how poorly they've played. But I guess even on bad teams, you have to have a shining star.
1: And that's, honestly, Robbie Fabry was one of the workhorses for them over those last seasons. So it definitely makes sense that he was given a little bit of a reward for that.
0: I guess so. The... One thing that I really didn't like reading about, besides all the political stuff coming out of the NHL, was that the Coyotes apparently violated the CBA by doing physical testing on 2020 draft eligible players before the Combine, and I didn't know this was a thing until I read it, because I don't know, like, to me that doesn't pertain to the game, that pertains to how you achieve getting players. So for me, it's like, why would I need to know about all these like little rules? I guess it makes sense
1: though. So the reason that the rule exists is truthfully and 100% existing only because it's to keep teams from having private practices where other teams don't have the visibility that they're having with these possible draft picks, which is against the NHL combine rules for that obvious reason. So that like... You
0: can't... It- like get an eye on players you want to pick. Well, early you, you're or not you're not
1: getting any advantage. So basically, like if you saw a guy that you're like, hmm, maybe he would be good. You bring him in and put him through a combine style test. And it's basically keeping that behind closed doors and not allowing anybody else to see it. Okay. The idea is that there's no advantage beyond what your normal scouting would be outside of the organization seeing what everybody else could see more or less yeah so like you know when guys like kubalik are coming up and the kings are sitting on him even though he was a third round pick and the blackhawks are they had a scout in europe watching him play and realized wow that's stupid why are we not bringing this guy to the nhl that it's the same style advantage like the kings had just as much of an advantage to have a guy there watching him play and being like maybe we should call him up so the idea is that everybody's on a fair playing level, I guess, is the best way to describe that. Yeah,
0: and the sanctions have come down on them from the commissioner, and it's basically the Coyotes are losing their second round pick for the 2020 draft and their first round pick for the 2021 draft as a result of them doing this.
1: And as a team that's rebuilding, that's going to hurt them.
0: Well, and what I was reading is that technically it says that the commissioner can have them find $250,000 per violation of this and I guess he decided not to do that and I think part of the reason is like you said they've been rebuilding but also they've had to do financial restructuring in the past eight years I want to say and they've had a lot of trouble with ownership and filling the stadium and all this other stuff and it seemed like they had finally come out of that and they were finally moving on and not being like the redheaded step team.
1: Yeah. And in turn, they're being punished because they are breaking rules that would give them an advantage over other organizations, which it's like, guys, you're already starting to have a good team. You had a good run in the playoffs this year. Like they they were a good team. Like it's tough to see them feel the need to do this. And really, they, they didn't have to. So yeah.
0: And Vladimir Tarasenko is going to miss the start of next season after his shoulder surgery. He's going to be reevaluated in five months, which is a long time. And basically, this is the third time he's having surgery. So, yikes on that. Apparently, he said on Instagram that he felt like something was wrong in the last few months, but he decided he was going to play anyway. Like a normal hockey player, just play through your freaking pain.
1: Yeah, his coach seemed to be a little bit concerned about it, obviously, it being the, the fourth time or the third time in four years that he's had this surgery. The recovery time, based on what the coach is saying, has been a little longer every time. So obviously, when you have something re-repaired and re-repaired and re-repaired, it's never coming back quite 100%. So yeah. his concern is what he's going to get back after he recovers from the surgery.
0: Well, I think playing through the pain was a bad idea. Yeah. I think that just made everything worse, and it's not going to be pretty, I don't think.
1: I don't i don't think it'll be that great either. Staying on the topic of the Blues, their GM, Doug Armstrong, claims that 20% of his starting players had COVID-19 during the Phase 3 practices and scrimmages. And as somebody who's experienced it, I'm sure you can attest the lung damage is so much fun from it. You don't really recover ever to 100% with it, depending on how bad of cases you've had. So
0: Well, it's going to be a person-by-person basis, but on the whole, you really don't get your lung capacity back, or if you are, it's going to take a while. So, like, I got sick at the end of April through the end of May, and my lung capacity is nowhere near what it was before I got sick still, even though I only had a mild case.
1: So just imagining that even, let's say, half of the 20% of the team that was sick with COVID had some type of lung damage. They're clearly not going to perform at the same level that they normally would. So. Yeah,
0: So But again, it's one of those things that comes out after the fact, after you're out of the playoffs, and you Or what, giving excuses?
1: Well, it made a lot of sense because the Blues are normally a very fast-paced playing team and they clearly look like they were running on empty most of the time through the series. So, like, they'd have glimmers of speed, but that makes sense as to why they clearly weren't playing at that normal speed that they're used to performing at, clearly. Like, that has some kind of effect on them, so...
0: Well, speaking of people who uh, aren't in the playoffs anymore and have gotten sick or injured, Claude Julien says he plans to coach the Canadiens next season. He says he's 100% recovered after leaving during the playoffs for his heart he's saying that health and family are a priority but he's comfortable with returning and he thinks that his mental health would suffer if he took the next season off basically
1: yeah and one of the stipulations that he also made was if his team had made the second round that he would have just shown back up and started playing or like coaching not playing obviously as a coach
0: i really hope not playing yeah
1: his heart probably would not have been ready to be playing that's for sure but it's it's good to hear that he's ready to come back obviously I'm hoping it's not like the players attitudes where they're just like we're invincible and we're ready to come back
0: well I think him being a coach kind of gets rid of some
1: of that arrogance I don't know that it does I feel like some coaches are very adamant about coming back like immediately because they feel like they're a key part of the the team itself so I
0: don't know why they would feel that way but sure
1: um, and then in the news of players heating their injuries, Mike Green of the Edmonton Oilers announces his retirement after 15 seasons. Uh, he's been injury prone over the last couple of years. So it just kind of realized, or like it clicked for him, I guess, that it was time to retire after 15 seasons in the NHL.
0: That's a decent career in the NHL. Not everyone gets to go 15 seasons, so... That's not bad.
1: Also, this week, we had a pretty large trade. Six players, one pick involved between your team, the Penguins, oh, yeah. and the Maple Leafs to bring back a player that your team drafted and traded away just a few years ago. Yeah, Kasperi Kapanen is coming back to the Penguins. The Leafs are going to be receiving the Penguins' 15th pick in this year's draft. Because
0: um, my GM doesn't know how to keep draft picks, apparently.
1: Yeah. Uh, you're also giving up Evan Rodriguez and forward also forward Philip Hollander Mm -hmm. and defenseman David Worsofsky. Hopefully I got all the names right. If not, I apologize. I know that I made a spelling in my notes on Rodriguez, so that's fun.
0: Sounded correct to me.
1: And then the Penguins will be receiving, obviously, Kasperi Kapnan. He was the major player in the trade, realistically. Defenseman Jesper Lindgren and the rights to sign Pontus Aberg. So currently, Aberg, the rights were owned by the Toronto Maple Leafs to sign him. Um, He's one of the top prospects for the Maple Leafs. So it's kind of exciting that you you get the opportunity to possibly have that caliber of a defenseman signed, which would be pretty nice.
0: I'm not a fan of... Trading for prospects in general. I'm not a fan of losing a draft pick despite the fact that in reality that's
1: just a prospect. I was going to say, weren't you literally just on a tangent about draft pick trades not really mattering a couple weeks ago?
0: I think my thing is that there are so many good options for the draft this season this year whatever you want to call it and I feel like my GM just doesn't know how to keep a first round pick.
1: Yeah it's definitely one of the deepest first rounds we'll probably see in like the last 10 years. Yeah
0: so I think missing out on that opportunity kind of sucks but at the same time there's so many good players we can pick someone up in the second round. Right. So
1: And then news-wise, it's the fifth straight week of no positive COVID tests in the NHL bubble. Mm -hmm. The streak continues.
0: If only other leagues knew how to do bubbles.
1: You know, one day. We'll also discuss a little bit more about bubble plans in some of the later news.
0: Well, with the strikes that we've had in the NHL for those two days, it's pushed back how late the round two games can go. So now they're possibly going to run until as late as September 5th. It really depends on how everyone shakes out with their series.
1: Yeah, it seems to be a lot of back and forth games so far in this round, which is exciting, you know, but at the same time, it's just, well, I don't,
0: I don't think that you're going to get a lot of sweeps going further and further into the playoffs. So it's probably going to start running into game six, game seven for a lot of these series.
1: Yeah, and as well, when it comes to the standings currently, the only team that's really on the bubble of being eliminated right now is the Bruins. Yeah, Um, the Lightning are up three-one as of last night's game. So um,
0: let's go Lightning!
1: Right, I don't think I would have ever heard myself say that after having to battle them in the Stanley Cup Final just a few years back.
0: But they're playing the Bruins.
1: Yeah, and and Brad Marchand, who we all know you hate, was very. You don't lick other people you yeah. just
0: don't like there's so many things to hate about him but that's like my number one
1: well have you noticed he hasn't licked anybody in the era of COVID for safety reasons clearly
0: i mean they're in the bubble together i wouldn't be surprised if he uses that as an excuse i think <laughs> um, maybe he just has too little romance in his love life
1: yeah the islanders currently lead the series two to one against the flyers which i like i'm i'm really rooting for barry trotz just because he was fired after winning the stanley cup for a team also the flyers yes yeah Another one of your biased hates, but I really do want to see Barry Trotz do well. I know we don't normally root for the Islanders, but because it's the Flyers currently that they are the team we're rooting for in that series. Yeah. And you have the Golden Knights currently leading the Canucks 2-1. to one. I'm honestly shocked that the Connects aren't playing as well as they did against their, the previous team that they had to well, win. Well, but they're
0: also playing against the number one seed.
1: Right. And let's be honest, the Golden Knights honestly are probably one of the more well-rounded teams in the actual playoffs still.
0: Well, especially after they picked up Leonard.
1: Yeah. They had a good goalie in Fleury, but Leonard really just locked him up playoff hockey. Leonard's always been good in the playoffs, so it's just not a shock that he's thriving
0: right now. It's because they never have to do shootouts. Yep the only reason.
1: And the Stars currently are leading the Avalanche 2-1. to
0: All of these series are just going exactly how I want them to.
1: And then the last bit of NHL news I have, I'm sure if you have more, we can continue afterwards. But if not, this is another team that I know you don't like. It's related to the NHL 21 cover. It was awarded to uh, Alexander Ovechkin. For the second time, he's also been on the cover in 2007 and then also was on the cover of NHL or what was it? NHL 2k whatever like the the not normal EA game that nobody really plays in the NHL really there's another variant of the game and it, it's not by EA and the quality of it is always kind of lackluster but he's been on the cover of that as well
0: see I can support him being on that but not everything else the second rate one yeah. yeah I just I I don't like him we're finding out more and more players I don't like on this podcast but
1: if you didn't know today's episode sponsored by players that liberty hates mm. Um, Fueled by hatred. Yes. But that's all the NHL news I have. I don't know if you have a jumping off point or a lead you'd like to go to next.
0: We can do the MLB. Because for your birthday, your team got a no-hitter with uh, Lucas Giolito, I think is how you say
1: it. It started off as a very stressful, fun day at work, to say the least. And I got to come home and have a delicious Oktoberfest beer from one of my favorite breweries in Munich. And got to sit down and watch some baseball. And it was really, really nice.
0: Honestly, I wasn't even thinking about the no-hitter until they started talking about the no-hitter like late in the game.
1: It's kind of a shared rule with Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club and you You don't talk talk about about the no-hitter. I know as somebody who was a catcher for a couple guys that have gone deep innings in games and been at no hitters you just let them stay in that trance in that focus zone you don't talk mm-hmm. about it and if anybody talks about it in the dugout they either get thrown out of the dugout and they're not allowed to come back because you don't want to jinx it like baseball players are very superstitious but like you literally saw shots of them cutting to giolito on the bench and he's just sitting there staring off into the yeah. void and you're just like god he is so focused right now and
0: what i didn't know is that a no hitter doesn't mean that they never make contact with the ball it means that like
1: they don't get on base
0: yeah so with like a hit. I didn't understand that before the game but like by the time he threw his last pitch and the guy hit it with the bat and then the outfielder caught it like my heart was in my throat yeah I was so worried for him because that's like you're all the way at the end of the game and then oh no oh no oh no and he catches
1: So, like, I really loved a couple of things. It seemed like Adam Engel, who was in right field, read the scouting report right. Because he was clearly in the right place for that ball to be hit. And thank God he did his homework. Yeah. Because he was where he needed to be, and that was great. But, like, seeing how connected both Giolito and McCann were the catcher behind the plate, it really just brought back a lot of memories from being a catcher and being in those situations with pitchers. Like the goal is truthfully just to keep them focused and calm and just have them execute. And, Giolito executed on every level that McCann requested which was great.
0: I also thought it was really interesting that it seemed like more of a team effort once I realized that it doesn't mean that they never connect ball to bat and that it's more along the lines of like not getting them on base so all the outfielders really had to be on top of their crap and like that was really fun to watch.
1: Yeah so they everybody has to be on their toes and be ready for anything they definitely need to have all the scouting reports read correctly be in the right places like there were a couple plays that made me nervous leading up to that I think it was in the seventh inning they had a shift for a batter who has a tendency to hit down the first base side between first and second and Tim Anderson had to go all the way across second base from the first base side of second base to make a play and then throw it back the other direction and he beat it by like a half a step and I like I can't even fathom Giolito oh What's going through Giolito's mind? Like, oh God, oh God, oh God, that's hitting a spot that there's not somebody. Oh, what a play. Oh my God, that's yeah, so fantastic. Yeah. They had my back. So like he was in such a rhythm towards the end but I think the most exciting part about it is it was his first no-hitter thrown. It was the first in the MLB this year for the entire season so far on top of that he had 13 strikeouts which made it the team record most strikeouts for a no hitter Mm -hmm. so like he was clearly in his zone and it was I was just so happy to see it happen for him this year because like this year was supposed to be his year and when he started out like the opening day game and just got absolutely just walloped 10 runs in two innings it didn't seem like it was gonna be it but then the shining star that is Lucas Giolito, came out and was like don't worry folks yeah. No hitter. Great performances. And it's his second performance in one week's time where he had 13 strikeouts. So wow. it's just like he's clearly getting back in the groove of things. But I could talk about that all day long.
0: You really, really could. As I, I really, really don't want you
1: to. <laughs> you didn't realize that you opened that can of worms. But...
0: Uh, I just meant like happy birthday to you because that <laughs> must have been really fun for you.
1: It, it was a great ending to the day, to say the least. I I like you. My, my heart was in my throat. And it just, I was so happy when it got completed and you, when that hit happened, I literally, you literally saw my face like, well, there it goes. And then Angle was like, boom, got you. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I'm literally tearing up right now. Just FYI, like it means that much as a sports fan to see your team throw a no hitter. So, but anyways, back to the rest of the MLB news. I do
0: not feel your emotions, but (laughs) I see you feeling them and I'm glad you're (laughs) happy. I guess is what you're feeling right now. Yeah. But in other MLB news, the Padres have acquired Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals. From what I've read, they're saying that this guy is the best reliever on the market. So I don't know why Kansas City would do that.
1: So Kansas City's in the situation where trading for younger players right now is a better thing for them because they are in dead last place in the Central.
0: Well, that makes sense because they're getting outfield prospect Edward Oliveras and a player that from the article I read wasn't named yet, but it will name him as soon as all the medicals and evals are done, I guess.
1: Yeah, basically the stipulation for the trade was that Trevor Rosenthal had to pass a medical exam before he be allowed to name like what quality of second player they're going to give up oh, okay. more or less.
0: That makes more sense. I was like, I don't get it.
1: But the Padres needed a closer because their closer had, I believe it was shoulder or elbow ending, like season ending surgery. So like he's going to be out for the remainder of the season. So they were... Their competitive team right now, them and the Dodgers in the West, are pretty much the big dogs, and the Padres really needed somebody to solidify that back end of their bullpen. They didn't really have it, and it showed a couple times in recent games where they just didn't have the guy with the right stuff at the end of the game, and it was affecting almost wins because of it. So I think it's a smart trade by the Padres, and honestly a smart trade for the Royals. They just need whatever help they can get in the future at this point. Yeah. They're clearly not going to be a relevant team for the next two or three years, so it's just time for them to rebuild.
0: But by the time this podcast is out, I think trade deadline would have already ended, so we'll have more trades to talk about next week, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's going to be the hot button topic. There's a lot of trades to talk about, but none of them were quite as major as this Padres trade. It was a lot of minor league guys being shifted around throughout the week so far, so.
0: Yeah, I do have a lot of injury things. Okay. So the Boston Red Sox have placed right-hander Nathan Eovaldi on a 10-day aisle with a right calf strain, which is another blow to their bullpen. I guess they've already had to put... Chris Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez on IL, and this team has the worst record in the American League right now. Correct. I don't know what the difference is between what they're calling the American League and whatever the other
1: one's called. Nationally, League. That's, that's what it's called. This year, not much of a difference. Normally, the, there is only a DH available in the American League, and that's one of the big advantages. Pitchers don't have to bat. Um, oh, okay. but this year they came up with a universal dh also also in the nhl or the nhl jesus the nationally they want to see batting a, in the nhl yeah right you already do sometimes but just <laughs> not with a bat with a stick but yeah um, is so, a bat
0: not a stick
1: well it's a piece of wood so yeah you're yeah. probably not that far off
0: so they're not the only ones right now having trouble with pitchers ryan Yarbrough, a left-handed pitcher becomes the 11th Tampa Bay Rays pitcher since the start of summer camp to be sidelined with an injury, and now he is on a 10-day IL starting on Saturday. And despite all of this, somehow the Rays are, I guess, first place in the AL East.
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to believe it that that is how it's all falling to be. Obviously, the AL East seems to be um, quite the struggle bus with injuries because we have the Yankees also in the AL East and. Mm-hmm. They've got all sorts of injuries. We discussed it last week. I think it's like 10 players now on the IL that they have. And then they got LeMahieu back this week and he's also injured again. I don't know if you have that in your notes. but
0: I don't. I just had that he came off of the 10-day IL that he started on the 16th, yeah. I guess. And that was a thumb sprain.
1: Yep. He played one game and realized it wasn't quite ready.
0: Oh, so. well, good for him. Yep. Yeah.
1: So back on the IL he goes. I have a weird one from the Nationals. When I was reading it, I kind of laughed a little bit because it reminded me of a Corey Crawford injury hurting his leg as he was going down a flight of stairs.
0: Someone fell down a flight of stairs?
1: Yeah. So National Seth Romero broke his hand in a freak staircase accident. As he was walking down the stairs, he slipped, lost his balance, and tried to break his fall by putting his hand out, which no. we all know is the wrong thing to do. Tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. But broke his hand and he will be out for, I believe they said like five to six weeks is what they're estimating right now it was his non-throwing hand so like just you know wear a glove maybe not like or just have a cast I guess you could put the ball behind the cast
0: no no <laughs> just stay on the injured list or whatever don't even try right and the last thing that I have for the MLB I don't know if you have anything else Got way more okay well this is my last thing the Dodgers have called up prospect Gavin Lux. And he was the second highest rated prospect by ESPN in March. The team said they wanted him to work on his hitting form before they called him up. So he's been spending his time Down working on leagues. hitting.
1: Yeah, he he's an exciting player. I think in the next year or two, he'll really grow into what everybody believes he will be. But as it is with any prospect coming into the major leagues... There's quite a shift from minor league to major league quality You've players. You've got a learning curve there. Yeah. So like some players jump right into it. I don't know that he's really that player, but I think within a year he'll he'll get his feet under him and he'll be a really solid player for the Dodgers, which is shocking that the Dodgers is an organization who are so stacked with talent right now, have the ability to have the number two prospect rating, you know, sitting in their farm system ready to go. Like it's like kudos to them, you know? Yeah. There's a little bit of news on the Mets ownership side of things. There was a scandal that happened this week where the owner called out the head of the Major League Baseball Association and stated that he disagreed with their plan of only for the beginning boycott for the Mets series of coming off the field for one hour and then coming back on and playing the game. He caught flack for that, but then also got support from his fans like crazy. So...
0: What is his complaint? He doesn't like that they're doing it or he doesn't...
1: No, his complaint was that he didn't think the one hour off the field was long enough to boycott a game.
0: Well, first of all, it's a strike, but Yes. yes
1: wasn't a long enough period of time to step off the field and then just immediately come back and play the game. Like, he was not okay with it. Okay. So he spoke out against the owner or basically the MLB, and he was fined for it, and he made an apology to the MLB. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I couldn't. I'd be like, listen, if you want to double the fine, I'll pay it because I know you're in the wrong. The fans were supporting him and were over the moon with his decision to support the players on that subject line. Yeah. But also in the news of Mets ownership, the group with Alex Rodriguez and his giant conglomerate of like 10 or 12 people that were trying to buy the Mets oh, yeah. have been eliminated. Currently, the conversation is going to happen between Steve Cohen and his hedge fund that is going to be purchasing the Mets. It's a matter of figuring out the final details. It should probably be wrapped up this upcoming week is what we're hearing. So. By the end of the week, the Mets might have a new owner, so maybe the old owner won't take as much flack anymore from Mm. NLB. And then a little bit of Boston Red Sox news you were talking about a little bit earlier. Manny Ramirez signs deal to be a player coach with an Australian baseball league. He's currently 48 years old. Uh, His argument and statement was, I still have a little bit of life left in my bat. I want to play baseball still. The irony is he's going from the Red Sox, not playing for the White Sox, which he also did for a stint. He signed with the Sydney Blue Sox. He's just collecting socks. I've Sounds to very patriotic.
0: Red, white, and blue socks.
1: Yep. Wrapping them all up. And then in the world of COVID news for the MLB, the first week of no positive COVID tests for the MLB.
0: They all stopped making out with each other. It.
1: It hurt my brain to think that that was ever going to be a possibility. But like, great job, guys. You did it.
0: If they want this season to continue, they need to keep up that streak.
1: And speaking of COVID-related things, the MLB, the MLB came out this week stating that they are highly contemplating, in the exact words they're using, to have a playoff bubble in two locations. So neither of them being on the East Coast, which I thought was a little weird because there's a lot of teams in the East and the West teams are definitely more like spread out from one another, but they are deciding between two locations currently for it, Southern California and here in Texas.
0: Why um, you would come here to Texas when we're still a hot spot? I don't
1: understand. We have a lot of hotels that would be able to aid and do those types of things and just basically shut down. So they'd have the ability to do those things. Obviously, the bubble technology, like the way that it really works is the daily testing, the capability of having somewhere where the players can be quarantined away from society. And you'd have that ability. Having gone to a couple of trainings in Houston, I honestly think that would be the better option only because the stadium itself is blocks away from the hotel district in downtown houston so like you could do what you saw in toronto and in edmonton where you know maybe bus a couple of the teams in but most of them would be able to literally walk to the stadium yeah which i thought was definitely part of the successes of the nhl with their bubble So I think Houston wouldn't be a bad option. San Diego, the same thing. The Omni Hotel is literally attached to the stadium. Yeah. You can walk across a tunnel from the hotel straight to the stadium.
0: Whatever happened to their argument that they didn't want to do a bubble based on the fact that so many teams would be playing and that would ruin the field or whatever? They've
1: come to the conclusion that they're full of it. uh, Oh, nice. To an extent. I like it
0: when people realize that on their own.
1: But point being more or less is they are really considering it. And I think it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, when they commit to it, we'll all be ecstatic. The playoffs are coming very quickly, obviously, because it's a shortened season. So they don't really have that much time to figure it out.
0: Do they have a date yet?
1: The playoff dates may adjust a little bit just because of all the COVID cases they had at the beginning and trying to mash in all these double headers and things like that. They're expecting the season to run about a week longer than they had originally expected. So no dates yet necessarily but speaking of some of the strikes that had happened in the league itself I told you I was going to speak a little bit about what the MLB was doing because obviously they didn't all go and strike there were games every single day yeah they didn't stop playing the games certain teams did but most of the teams still played their games on average it was about four or five games a day that were actually being canceled but other teams were still playing their games but they did come together and create a players alliance and it involves a lot of uh, African- American players and also some white players in the major leagues. they're donating their game day salaries from those two to three days worth of salaries that were, you know, on strike but players that played are the ones donating their actual salaries. So they're donating them to combat racial inequality and aid the black families and communities deeply affected by the wake of recent events. So a majority of the funds you're seeing are going back to stimulate the economies and communities, like opening up the small businesses that were either damaged or affected during protests and things like that. And I think that's a good thing because a lot of those communities are already the communities that these people live in, African-American communities that are being affected in those instances. And I think rebuilding businesses is a good way to stimulate everybody around them, you know. And I know that a lot of my little hole-in-the-wall places in San Diego that were in African-American communities, if that had affected something like that, it would have crippled that neighborhood. Yeah. And so, like, I think the idea that the Major League Baseball alliance that has come together donating those funds to help those areas is crucial. You know, if we go back to even the St. Louis shootings a couple of years back, it it's the same thing where those communities, like the people that came in from outside communities that burned things that shouldn't have burned things, really hurt the actual community itself. And so like seeing the organizations kind of pair up with them and try to help rebuild, I think is a really, really important thing, but also putting money towards combating racial inequalities in those communities is also a huge huge investment so yeah so to the players that did do that there's a little over 100 current players and former players that are partnering with this alliance so it's good to see the former players also getting involved with this and donating their money and time to it as well again kind of seeing everybody come together is an important thing because like the rest of the world like NHL at least it for a long time baseball was a predominantly white sport and and it's definitely more mixed than it was then and yeah. and the percentages are growing more and more like if you look at the White Sox for example like predominantly African American team now or Caribbean based descent teams so you're you're seeing a change in what you would normally see which is exciting yeah and then there was one last trade I had to talk about and I thought it was funny and I think you're gonna make some kind of joke with it the White Sox acquired a player by the last name of Dyson from the Pirates the Pirates are receiving $243,000 in international slot money so basically with the MLB you're allowed to spend so much so many dollars per year out of the Caribbean like investing in like recruiting and things like that so the White Sox gave $243,000 for the Pirates to invest more in their, like, international investment side of things, I guess. I don't know. That's weird. Dyson probably won't be a starting player. Um, Truthfully... Because
0: he he sucks?
1: Well... I'm not going to go out there and say that because I am excited for the addition. He is definitely going to be one of those guys in the late innings that'll be like a pinch runner. He is one of the fastest players in the major leagues. So it's exciting to add that kind of speed for those late game situations where having a runner in scoring position that is fast and a single hit to the outfield could... Be what wins you the game? It's a bummer for him because he was a starting player for the Pirates, but the Pirates weren't really going to be doing too much this year. They're kind of uh, hitting this team. Like, they're playing okay, but they're not going to be in the playoffs by any means. So um, it was clearly a move to try to solidify the Pirates' stuff. And then, honestly, the last piece of news I have, we spoke a little bit about it last week. Albert Pujols, he had tied for second place in the RBI list this week he surpasses and moves into second place so solely he's completely by himself now in second place the only person ahead of him is Hank Aaron and arguably Babe Ruth because halfway through Babe Ruth's career that's when they started tracking RBIs okay. so like a lot of people have gone back and actually like watched old videos of games and seen how many times he hit runners in realistically it should be Albert Pujols, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, but they don't count him in like a lot of his RBIs. So he's down in actually fifth, I think is where uh, Babe Ruth is. But like most baseball fans have it right now, 3-2-1. So kudos to Pujols moving into the official second place, but really third place spot with RBIs. But that's all the news I have for the MLB.
0: Well, in the NBA, we are currently fighting to get into the next round of the playoffs. So far there are, what is it? Five teams that are set and there's three more still working on their series correct the milwaukee bucks defeated orlando magic in five games yep the toronto raptors swept the brooklyn nets boston celtics swept the philadelphia 76ers
1: which you like just because you hate philadelphia
0: yep miami heat swept indiana pacers the lakers beat out the what's portland again
1: Trailblazers.
0: That's the one. In game five.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad to see that that series wasn't as exciting as it was, because if you remember correctly, that was my prediction for being the most exciting series out of them all.
0: I mean, some of these people got swept in four, so, like, it went to five.
1: Yeah, but the Trailblazers were injury-prone. They lost two of their main starters of their five guys, so you had a lot of people filling in from the bench, and they just weren't. weren't they don't have the depth. Yeah, yeah, they just didn't have the depth to play, so...
0: And right now, the Clippers are leading the Dallas Mavericks 3-2, to Utah Jazz are leading the Denver Nuggets 3-2, to and the Houston Rockets are leading the Oklahoma City
1: Thunder 3-2. to Which, we're sorry, Barbie, that your Thunder are not playing well right now.
0: Because my 84-year-old grandmother listens.
1: Yeah, but yeah, that, those outcomes have come to a couple coaches being let go. Obviously, it would be two of the teams that were swept. The Philadelphia 76ers fired their head coach, Brett Brown. And also the Pacers fired their head coach, Nate McMillan. What's weird about the Nate McMillan thing is just two weeks ago, he was given a two-year contract extension. And then they're like, well, you played really well in the games coming up to the first round, qualified for the first round, got the crap beat out of you, but arguably not the best team in the NBA playoffs. So like, don't get me wrong, the Heat are a good team, but by no means were they expected to sweep the Pacers. Who have had one of their best career seasons.
0: So, this is just proof that you can't trust everything you sign?
1: Yeah. So, he signed that contract. The 76ers are going to be required to pay it out, obviously, because it wasn't really a valid termination per se. Like, the contract protects him for so much dollars. So, he's. That's Sports still get are paid. weird. Yeah. So he's going to get paid for a period of time as long as he doesn't sign with another organization. So that's... Like, uh, what's his face? Mike Babcock. Yeah. like -hmm. All right. Still Um, stupid. Right. And then kind of going over the injury side of things with why the Mavericks aren't playing so great. Their big man, Kristaps Przingis, is going to be out for the remainder of the first round. He had a lateral meniscus tear of his right knee. As an NBA player that requires a knee to jump, um, Mm -hmm. that's not a good thing you also
0: need a knee for other things but yeah
1: yeah but he is still trying to say that he's gonna come back in the middle of the second round if the mavericks somehow make it through the first round
0: you need to have surgery if you have a meniscus tear like what's i almost said something i shouldn't
1: yeah we had to go in there and made some like cute noise over like a voiceover type thing to cover it up yeah
0: well we had yet another ejection happen. The Houston Rockets forward PJ Tucker and the Oklahoma City Thunder guard Dennis Schroeder were ejected in the third quarter of game five. It started with a hit below the belt and ended in a headbutt as far as what I've seen and so they were ejected from the game.
1: It was an interesting moment. They definitely ran into each other clearly and the Rockets player came up right behind the Oklahoma City Thunder player and just put his head like right in his personal space I Again, it was kind of a bad camera angle. You can't really tell if he made contact with him. If he did, it was very gentle. It wasn't like a Zidane angry head-to-the-chest headbutt. It was more of a long lines, like just leaning in and just tapping him. But at the same time, I wouldn't want somebody in my personal space if I was a competitive athlete like that either. So, like, I kind of understand the... From their... what
0: I've seen, it's a proper headbutt yeah. that he did. So, I don't know. Uh, I didn't actually see a full video of it, so...
1: But yeah, it it seems to continue the headbutting in the NBA, and not really sure why that's becoming a thing. But
0: I thought you were supposed to protect your head in a fight.
1: Usually speaking, obviously the NBA went on strike. They led that strike. We discussed it a little bit earlier, and part of their plans was to partner with the NBA employees, which also went on strike to support the players this week. And the NBA employees basically were doing it to support the players as well. They reached out to their elected officials to demand changes. So they were calling, emailing, tweeting, doing all sorts of things to support the actual players and and their stuff, which I think was pretty honorable. You saw the referees partake in the NBA's walkout, the player Mm -hmm. walkout, which was really moving. So it seems as a whole, the whole NBA is like, screw you guys. Why are you mistreating us? Which is great.
0: Well. Also, the Celtics' Jalen Brown said he was skeptical of the NBA owners saying that they're going to back up pledges of support in the push for social justice. He basically, the quote from him, it says, I think promises are made year after year. We've heard a lot of these terms and words before, which solid point. Yeah, And he's actually been one of the NBA's most outspoken players in the fight for social justice. Always has been, always will be. Yeah, and he went to Atlanta to lead a protest while the season was suspended. So, like, actions speak louder than words, I guess.
1: Yeah. During the strike, the NBA did form a social justice coalition. This was part of the stipulations to come back to playing. Yeah. It was one of the requirements. The coalition is made up of players, ownership, and sponsors. So basically everybody's opinions. They wanted it to be a communal pool of thought basically going yeah. on with everything. The coalition's plan on focusing will be increasing access to voting, promoting civic engagement, and advocating for police and criminal justice reform. Those were the big motivators behind what the NBA did. And I think that's all super super important yeah and part of the stipulation of this coalition's agreement was that the nba ownership will work with local election officials to convert their home arenas to voting sites for the upcoming election i think that's a very important thing for these owners to do i think it's going to be weird to see the aac as a voting location for those of you that aren't from dallas the american Airlines center it's where the dallas mavericks play there's also rumors that the ownership of the dallas mavericks is planning on converting the parking lot of the store for the Dallas Mavericks, which is across the street from the or across the highway from the stadium. they're gonna be putting a tent up and like bringing in air conditioning units to like make a very large voting area as well. Oh, okay so you're seeing a lot of teams starting to respond with what their plans are. Obviously the Lakers have already come out and the Clippers as well have stated that they have no problem with trying to convert their arenas into doing those things so
0: well, it's better than what we're most likely going to do, which is voting in our local library where there's like one room and it's tiny.
1: And everybody's in there all cramped in together and the six foot rule is probably not going to be, you know.
0: It can't be. There's no way. Yeah.
1: You would have like 10 voting booths in there if, if that. It's exciting to see the NBA being a little proactive with these things, at least. I think having this collision is a good thing. Having the players and the ownership being forced to sit down every month and discuss these things. Yeah. So that there is actual visibility of what the players want as well as what the ownership wants to do to help those things. So I think it's a very good thing that this has finally come together. And I know Jalen Brown is knocking it, but you got to take the positives where the positives lie from time to time too.
0: I mean, he's saying basically this is all well and good, but actual things need to happen. You can't just form a coalition and not do anything. Right. So until things are actually happening, I think you kind of have to agree with him.
1: Yeah. But that's really the big news that I have. I know that, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I'm awful at this, and my guys at work constantly make fun of me for it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Ah, forget it. I'm just going to. Let me see. Yeah. I'm. It's it's Giannis. Everybody knows him as Giannis. <laughs> He's the Milwaukee Bucks star. He was named the NBA ah. Defensive Player of the Year.
0: God, what is happening? I have
1: no idea, but you probably ruined everything that's I, on the that screen. I have
0: ruined all the things. Did you wholly... delete it all? No.
1: Okay, good. That's. Giannis
0: Antetokounmpo? Yeah, that. That's the first time I've ever seen that name.
1: Yeah, his last name is interesting. We watched him, well, his brother play in Chicago while we were there. His brother and himself both play for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm sorry, Giannis, I didn't mean to butcher your name. I swear, I'm not like the announcers that also have a million times worth of practice of saying your name. This is probably like the fourth time ever I've tried to say your name, so I apologize. If you do ever somehow listen to this episode. (laughs)
0: So he was named Player of the Year?
1: Uh, defensive Player of the Year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which makes I'm surprised.
0: A sense. I didn't know the NBA had defensive plays.
1: Yeah, they, they do. And it doesn't seem like it most games with how many points are put up on the board. Just
0: offense all the way down.
1: Yeah. But I think that's all the NBA news I really have. I don't know if you have anything else. Nope.
0: Well, in the world of soccer, I was really surprised to hear you say that you couldn't find any real MLS news because I have a lot of it. Okay. So I. I don't know if I just took a deeper dive on it than you did, but you probably have more international soccer news than I do.
1: I have always been a guy that believes international soccer is real soccer and MLS is the junior league.
0: I can agree with that, especially given how little people pay attention to MLS in the United States. The owner of the Real Salt Lake soccer team.
1: Real Salt Lake.
0: It's... Sure. Yep. We're in the U.S.,
1: but whatever. Yeah, but it's still pronounced that way.
0: Okay. (laughs) The owner of the Salt Lake team, (laughs) Hanson, is taking a leave amid a probe into his racial remarks. Yeah. He has also come under criticism after making comments about MLS players not playing on Wednesday. He basically called the strike a sign of disrespect and said it made him question how much he wants to invest in the team you don't want to invest in the team, then you can leave.
1: Just to add to that a little bit, he's also the owner of the women's team in Salt Lake as well. He's stepping back from both of those. Currently, he's under investigation from both leagues for utilizing the N-word multiple times with a certain player who now plays for FC Dallas. Mm -hmm. And it's just he
0: sounds like a piece of work.
1: Yeah, it's not a good look and it's sad that the MLS, I don't know if they covered it up or if the accusation never came forward, but either way, the accusation exists now and they're covering it. So it's good that they're investigating it because obviously it's not a minor problem at all.
0: I think there should be some sort of test to weed out racists from becoming owners of teams. I don't know what kind of test, how you would test this, but I, I think it say, needs I'm like, it's to happen. Pretty
1: complicated. <laughs> Are you racist? Checkbox yes or no. Maybe. <laughs> like, it's not an option yeah. on, on a test for that, but yeah.
0: The New England Revolution head coach, Bruce Arena, which, man, what a last name has been suspended for two games and fined fifteen thousand dollars for confronting a game official upon receiving a red card in July. So during a match in July they got a red card and he like blew his top.
1: It's kinda of weird that it took that long to come down, but he probably appealed it and you got dragged yeah, down and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: This Red card was issued after the final whistle in the loss to Philadelphia during the MLS's back tournament. So I don't know what was happening at the end of that game, but it all sounds very heated. Yeah. But MLS's MVP Carlos Vila, Vela, Vela, mm-hmm. from has, LAFC has a grade 2 MCL injury to his left knee and will be out an unspecified length of time, which I'm not surprised it's a knee injury you're gonna have surgery it's gonna take a while
1: especially as a soccer player where you have to run for roughly 90 plus minutes
0: run and kick and jump yeah Yeah.
1: and like don't get me wrong there's as a striker like he is he's not running full speed the entire time you know they're like trotting more or less like a slow jog like a horse yep yeah, you see him just lift the legs in that pattern, too, just like that. That's mm-hmm. how they run. But no, it's something that's going to take time for him to recover from, without a doubt. And I understand the unspecified time because it's not a position where you have to have just full burst strength immediately. Like, you go from 0 to 100 in seconds, and that's kind of the way striker positions have always been. So it's, it's a lot of stress on the knees in a very short time. So
0: Yeah. And then the last thing I have for the MLS news is the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to receive a million euros after Davies was a part of the Champions League win with Bayern. Yep. So Bayern now has to pay them that money due to an agreement between the clubs when Davies joined Bayern in 2018. Which, I mean, the team didn't really have to do anything but give them a player and suddenly they get a million euros.
1: Yeah, a lot of that contract had to do, I think, with Bayern Munich not being 100% certain that they were going to be in the Champions League final in two years. It was a stipulation, I believe, for the first three years, though. So they beat them to the chase, I guess. They don't have to worry about paying next year. You know, it's paid forward for the second year. So
0: What if they won it next year?
1: There would be no more payment. It's just the one time. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, no extra million Every year they movie. earn a million dollars. Could you imagine years. if they won it all three years in a row and there's like million, 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 they would have been like, we're the richest team in the MLS, three million extra dollars.
0: I feel like a million would be enough to get them there. but
1: Yeah, it won't. I hate to break it to you. Well,
0: MLS is just so unpopular in the United States.
1: Yeah. But do you have any more MLS news nope. than that? Cool. We'll feed off that little we'll piggyback here. Going into the UEFA Champions League, also during my birthday week, Sunday after we recorded Bayern Munich won the European Championship by defeating PSG 1-0 the irony of it the most is that Kingsley Coman, who's the one that scored the goal, was hardly getting playing time at PSG and was one of the reasons he was transferred to Bayern Munich.
0: How long ago was the yeah, transfer? It was
1: a couple years back. I would oh, say okay. probably like three or four years ago.
0: It would have been worse if it would have been like a year ago.
1: Right. It's like, yeah, he's he's not good enough and send him away and then he scores the game-winning goal. <laughs> he did score in the 59th minute and you and I were both watching that game. Beautiful goal. I yeah. Went, Kind of like the moment later in the week with the no-hitter, I lost my mind.
0: Yeah, you had quite the sports week for your birthday week. Yeah,
1: it was a good week to say the least. The crazy thing about that game is though that it was the second in record yellow cards given in a final of the Champions League.
0: My frustration was watching the game because we were watching it in Spanish. So all these yellow cards were happening and I'd try to watch and see what caused it and I wouldn't see anything worth a yellow card. So I needed an announcer to, to like tell, you what tell me if it's BS that yeah. all these yellow cards are happening or tell me if there's something I missed because I'm not a big soccer person. Like yeah. I sometimes watch soccer so I don't know.
1: And for those of you that aren't in the United States and actually got to watch the game broadcasted on normal television.
0: Tell me. I don't know.
1: Um, we did not get that opportunity here in the United States because CBS who I'm trying not to slander them. CBS as a whole.
0: They had a right to Airing the games for this,
1: but they chose not to on normal television. You had to like
0: pay to watch only through
1: their subscription service, CBS All Access. Yeah, so for the last few games of the Champions League, I have been watching it in Spanish. The difference between you and I, I do have the ability to pick up some words in Spanish, having lived in Southern California my whole life, but you, on the other hand, like it was probably a real struggle.
0: Well, I would have done better if I was watching it in French or even possibly German, because I've studied those languages. I have not studied any Spanish. Right.
1: But yeah, nine yellow cards given out, five in the first half, four in the second half. So it just was bizarre watching how many yellow cards were given out. And the fact that no red cards were given for a second yellow card, like that was my shocker, to be completely honest. You
0: thought more players were going to be doubled up on?
1: Well, yeah, there's nine of them given out. Like usually by that point, there is a red card.
0: I really wish that another yellow card had been given because I don't like that there were nine.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) It makes my brain itch.
1: And then more UEFA news. They are planning on having 20,000 fans in attendance at the UEFA Super Cup in Budapest
0: mistake. Uh,
1: That's going to be taking place on September 24th. We have a date and not a time for the game yet, but a date. Yeah. And that game will be between Bayern Munich, the Champions League champion and the Europa League champion Sevilla. So it should be a good game.
0: So what is this for?
1: It's basically a one game knockout style like the final is for the Champions League. To kind of determine who's the best between the two. Realistically, it's more of a way that they used to kick off the regular season before COVID existed and pushed everything way back. So um, it normally happened about a week or two before everybody else's seasons started. So it's weird that it's going to be starting after everybody's season starts.
0: Yeah, well, life in the time of Corona.
1: Also this week, we have the Nations League firing off some of their qualifying games. So that will be played throughout the week. There's five groups. I might be wrong. It might be six. Total groups that are set to qualify for the actual Nations League tournament. This is another thing that's kind of come up. I really I don't support it. I don't like the idea that, that FIFA is even doing this. It's another tournament that doesn't need to exist between the Euros and and the actual uh, world cup so the two normally separate each other by two years Mm -hmm. kind of like the olympics winter and summer you know in that instance and they're played each of them every four years so you'd see the euros come around every four years and the world cup come around every four years and they felt that it was a good idea to slam another tournament in the off years in the middle and it's like normally you have qualifiers for those major tournaments during that time why are you trying to cram another tournament in between it all that's weird In the soccer world, there's a lot of fans that are like, yay, more soccer. But most fans are like, that's too much for those players. Like, you're stretching them far too thin. They're never getting time away from the sports. Yeah. And what you're seeing a lot of in the Nations League is a lot of the younger players are getting the opportunity to represent the national squads, which I think is a good thing. But at the same time, they have tournaments for that, for both Euros and for the World Cup. They have U21 and U18 tournaments. Yeah. So it's like, why why are you doing that? There's no reason for you to do what you're doing those will be happening this week. The German national side has come out and stated that they will not include anybody from the Bayern Munich squad just to give them the opportunity to rest before the regular season for the Bundesliga begins. So that's good. You'll see a lot of youngsters getting opportunities to play for the national team that don't normally. So
0: well and people from teams that aren't Bayern.
1: Right. And then the last bit of news I have comes out of the NFL. We kind of glossed right over them to the MLS which is kind of weird because the NFL is A little bigger here in the United States than... Not to me. ...the MLS is. This week, Tony Dungy joined the Hall of Fame selection committee. He was the first African-American head coach to win the Super Bowl. He and Lovey Smith were both there at the same time. So it was going to be the first time, no matter what, that an African-American coach was going to win the Super Bowl. It was just a matter of who it was going to be. As a Bears fan, I'm sad that it was Tony Dungy. I would have loved to see Lovey Smith actually win something because that might have made Lovey Smith's career last just a hair longer in Chicago than it did. And then Chiefs Mike Pennell has been suspended two games for use of a banned substance. They did a very good job of covering up what it is. Could have been steroids, could have been drugs. The NFL has always been really strong on both those things. So who knows what it's going to be. But the first two games of the season, he will not get to play. He appealed and lost. So two games is one. Only two games? Correct.
0: That leads me to believe that it's not steroids. No,
1: it's probably drug-related yeah. in some way, shape, or form.
0: Because if it's steroids, I think it would last like a whole season.
1: Yeah. A big signing this week as well for Cardinals, uh, the Arizona Cardinals signed Buddha Baker to a four-year $59 million contract. Guaranteed, I was, believe, it was around $20 million range. So he's going to get a pretty big payday right up front. So... And then like the rest of the sporting world, the NFL had no positive tests this past week of COVID-19. What a miracle. We'll wrap it up on that great news, unless you have some NFL news.
0: I do not, because they're not playing yet. So what news would I have?
1: We'll end it with great COVID news. Continued another sporting league with no new positive COVID tests, which is exciting. That's all four major leagues in the United States, no positive COVID tests. MLS can't say that because they haven't been in Chicago. I know that much at least. So yeah. it's awesome. Awesome news. Yeah. But I
0: don't know how long it's going to last.
1: Hopefully longer than one week. So we can say two weeks. Because so that would be really nice. But we really appreciate you guys giving us the time to listen to the episode.
0: Make sure you check out all of our social media that will be linked in the show notes.
1: And we'll catch you later this week on Harry Potter and book related news. Thank you so much, guys. See you then. Bye. Bye.